podcast of sermons by Pastor Charles St. Ange, LCMS Missionary in Montreal, Quebec, and the Caribbean. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. On Holy Trinity Sunday, as I said at the beginning of the service, our attention is focused on the mystery of the tri-unity of God, which we just recited together in the Athanasian Creed. And it's also a day to rejoice in our own baptisms, just as we witness Guarong's baptism and his being joined to the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And our gospel text for this year's Holy Trinity celebration from John chapter 3 happens to focus on both. Except that a very astute person or a person that happens to have the text right in front of them will notice that nowhere in John chapter 3, or for that matter, in Acts chapter 2, or in Isaiah 6, is the word Trinity ever mentioned. In fact, it's true that nowhere in the New Testament or the Old Testament, our Holy Scriptures, is the word Trinity ever used. The first time it ever appears in Christian history is in the second century almost 200 years after Jesus' resurrection and ascension by an African theologian by the name of Tertullian. He was number one and said maybe the word we should use is trinitas in Latin or trinity. Now, first of all, let me be clear about this. What Holy Trinity Sunday is not is a reflection on a theory or a model about God or a characteristic of God. We do not have a feast of the all-powerfulness of God, or a feast of the all-knowingness of God. We don't have any celebrations in our church of the characteristics of God. So that's not what we're talking about when we talk about God's triunity. What we actually do explicitly on this one Sunday, and implicitly, every other Sunday during the Christian year is acknowledged that we have been given a vocabulary, a primer, if you will, on how to speak to God and with God. Today, we give thanks that the Lord himself has given us words to speak with him and about him that are not blasphemous where we actually know God in God's self and not just as a to whom it may concern up there somewhere else. The Old Testament tells us that God is one. I mentioned before we recited the Athanasian Creed that we have three major Christian creeds in the Western Church. The Apostles' Creed, which Guarong confessed belief in at his baptism. The Nicene Creed that we use every Sunday during communion. And once every year, this longer Athanasian Creed. But the Israelites only had one creed. And it was really short. And you find it in the book of Deuteronomy, which is Moses' great sermon to the people of God before they came into Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That was the creed of Israel. But already in that creed, we have the beginnings of the unfolding of the Trinity, because the word 
in Hebrew that we translate as one is not a unitary one, as in there is one microphone on this lectern, or we have one Paschal candle. Instead, it's a different kind of one. It's a one that we would use when we say, I have one congregation in Montreal, but made up of many members. I belong to one family, the St. Ange family, which has a husband and a wife and two daughters and a cat and now a bunch of plants. Canada is one country made up of many peoples who come from many places. That's what the Israelites were reciting for centuries before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ came into the world. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. But what does that mean? Then along comes Jesus. And the only records we have of anything that Jesus said are our four Gospels, plus quotes from Jesus in the book of Acts and in the epistles. And multiple times, multiple times, Jesus refers to himself in divine terms. Seven times the Gospel of John records Jesus saying, I am various things. I am the door. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I am the living water. Now, I am, if you are a Jew, is a loaded, loaded term because it's precisely what the Lord said to Moses from the burning bush way back before the Exodus, when Moses said, what is your name? And the bush answered, I am. Jesus keeps referring to himself as the Lord, as God. And then, of course, later on in Acts and in the Apostles, people keep referring to him as God in divine terms. You heard it from Peter this morning from Acts chapter 2, where Peter is preaching his great Pentecost sermon, the very first evangelistic sermon, as he stands up and tries to convince the people from the word of God that Jesus is the Lord. And he says, let all the house of Israel... All of you who have been reciting, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, for lo, these many years. Therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, whom you have crucified. Now, you might think, well, where's the divine term in that? Well, next to I am, the other loaded divine term you can use is the word Lord. Lord doesn't just mean sir. When a Jew refers to somebody as Lord, they are calling them Adonai in Hebrew, which is the word that was used in the Old Testament whenever you came across the name of God and didn't want to blaspheme by pronouncing it. You would just say, Lord, Adonai. And yet Peter isn't satisfied calling Jesus Christ. He also has to call him Lord. So now we have the God of Israel, right, who is one, but the oneness is like the one congregation, one family, one nation. We have Jesus being referred to as Lord in divine terms. And then we have the Holy Spirit. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the second one, 
Paul says, we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now we have the Holy Spirit being referred to in divine terms as of God, as Lord. So putting this all together, we have hero Israel, the Lord, our God, the one who appeared in the burning bush, the one who appeared to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the one who has led the Israelites out of Egypt is one. But we have Jesus, who's also Lord, and the Spirit is also Lord. And suddenly the church finds itself being taught a new language, whole new vocabulary for speaking of God. And all of this becomes very real to you and I in places like that font. That's where it becomes something you can see which is why I like to pour the water into the font while we pray. So you know that it's there because it's such a small bowl and it's so far up front. You know, I don't want to trick you into thinking somehow it's something else. There's the water. And in that water, this God who is one and yet who has appeared to us in his son and made himself known in Jesus and who has breathed into you and I, the Holy Spirit, is the God who is at work at that font. The Son tells us that he has descended from heaven. We heard it in John chapter 3. He speaks of the reign or kingdom of God as Father, and that we cannot see that reign without being born of water, but also of the Spirit. And all three persons of this one God become active right there in taking people who are part of the kingdom of darkness, who don't know God, who are cut off from his fellowship and saying, you are now mine. While wrong, I call you by name. You are my son. Richard, I call you by name. You are my son. Olivia, I call you by name. You are my daughter. I could go through all of you, but time is limited. So you're just going to have to extrapolate. But it's true for all of you, because that is precisely what happens at that font. We who were once not a people become a people. We who were not shown mercy are now shown mercy. And now we can leave this place knowing who we are and whose we are. And we are incorporated into the life of a God who is the Father who sends his Son, who breathes into us by the Spirit. As Paul writes to Titus, one of his pastors in training, God saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom God the Father poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Baptism is the work of this triune God. Chromatius lots of Latin names today, um, a fourth century bishop said this about baptism and the triune God. Just as our first creation as human beings was the work of the Trinity, 
so to our second creation is the work of the Trinity. The Father does nothing without the Son or the Holy Spirit because the Father's work is also the Son's, and the Son's work is also the Holy Spirit's. But there is one and same grace of the Trinity. Thus we are saved by the Trinity since in the beginning we were created by the Trinity alone. This is what Nicodemus could not understand. And what Jesus was surprised that he could not understand, given that he was the teacher of Israel. You are all now smarter than Nicodemus. Because you have come to know that the God of Israel, who is one, is the father who has sent forth his son to die for you, and who now gives you new life in the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you'd like to learn more, visit intheway.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless your weekend.